I try to find what's intimate in it, whether it's the six brothers who are walking in, mm -hmm. flanking me, or whether I'm looking at, you know, the consulate of France mm -hmm. or the other, which was someone that I knew who actually directed me in my first, my first play out of drama school. So, to, you know, to, for us to come back around and for me to tell, give him a dressing down, I know what you've been up to. <laughs> that, was, that was really pretty, you know, yeah. funny, comical to me. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Awardist, where we're chatting with the actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year and breaking down the state of the 2023 Oscars race. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall. On this week's episode, Oscar nominee and star of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Angela Bassett joins us later. But first, we are going to dive deep into her category, supporting actress, as well as supporting actor. And joining me to do that are EW Editor-in-Chief Patrick Gomez and senior writer Devin Kogan. Hello to you both. How are you? Hello, hello. Super excited to be here. Yes, Happy to have very you. much so. Good. Well, we've got a lot to dive into today. Um, before we get to those categories that I mentioned, I want to chat first with uh, both of you about last week's Oscar nominees luncheon, where um, being in the room, my big takeaway is how much Top Gun Maverick and its star and producer Tom Cruise uh, are making a play for that best picture win. Um, Tom was he was working in the room. He had himself positioned right at a, so there was there was a like a, a step and repeat for photos, and then you walk down I don't know five steps into the um, into the Beverly Hilton ballroom, and he was basically. Uh, you know, just positioned right there the entire, uh, you know, pre-lunch uh, portion of the day. Um, and everyone was, everyone was coming to him. I mean, the in, pretty much the entire everything everywhere all at once cast. Michelle Yeoh, he, Hui Kwan, uh, you know, took um, selfies with him. Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Austin Butler. The, the camera flashes were going crazy when those two were talking to each other. Uh, Paul Meskel. And it's not just that everyone wanted to talk to Tom, but it seemed like Tom wanted to talk to everyone who was there, too, um, because we know he is he is such a you know a huge fan of movies. But um, here's what I wonder. Do you think something like that? And of course, we're talking about the biggest movie of 2022. And Steven Spielberg, uh, he was captured on video, even speaking with him, saying, actually, let me read you this direct quote here. He said, you saved Hollywood's ass and you might have saved theatrical distribution. Seriously, Top Gun Maverick might have saved the entire theatrical industry. Do you think all of that considered, the huge box office, the star power of Tom Cruise, uh, you know, what Steven Spielberg is saying to him, can that make it a best picture winner? Maybe is the short answer. <laughs> it's, you know, it's tough because I think as much as Tom can command a room and as much as that movie made, I also feel like, look, if it wins, it's going to be because everyone else is thinking, you know what, it's not going to win, but I'm going to vote for it because I just loved that movie so much. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the way it's going to win because it's definitely not holding the conversation right now right. in that same way. But I wouldn't put it out. I would. I wouldn't put it out as like the dark horse. It's funny to call mm -hmm. it like the biggest movie of the year. It yeah. was not just big in the box office, but but like critically acclaimed. Yeah. It, it's it's you know. So it's hard to call that a dark horse, but it definitely is in this race, mm -hmm. and I could see it happening. But again, I think it, it's not because of this upswell of a su public support. It yeah. is, I think, going to be this like 
everyone being like, oh, I just really liked it. I'm going to vote for it, even though I know it's going to go somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I should add, when I say it was the biggest movie of the year, uh, that is looking purely at like to the end of December 31st. Avatar uh, 2 yes. has surpassed that. It's now at like $2.4 billion and counting. But sorry, anyway, uh, Devin, your thoughts? Yeah, I think I agree with Patrick. I think, um, you know, I it's kind of fascinating. I remember when Top Gun Maverick came out and the sort of the narrative was, wow, I didn't expect a, a sequel to a to a 30-year-old movie to be this good. And now it's like, wow, I didn't expect this movie to get to the Oscars. But, but I also do think that, you know, I think there is still this sort of, when it comes to the Oscar voting body, there's this idea of rewarding, certainly for best picture, not rewarding the popular film. You know, mm-hmm. there's this idea that big budget blockbusters that get the giant, um, you know, wide release on thousands of screens, that's not necessarily an Oscar best picture. I mean, it mm-hmm. has happened many times before. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at something like, you know, Lord of the Rings yeah. or, you know, um, we've seen movies like this in the past, but also I don't know. I, I think I, I think a lot of Oscar voters still have trouble, you know, voting for popular movies. I think mm-hmm. there's still sort of, you know, there, there's an idea of what an Oscar movie looks like. Yes. Um, and I think Top Gun doesn't necessarily fit neatly into that box mm-hmm. for better or worse. Yeah. I mean, it is very much a traditional blockbuster in a way that some of those examples that you just listed had something going for them in terms of a big technological push and not sure. that they were, I mean, you know, they did some insane yeah. stunts and camera work and the cinematography, yeah, the, the practical, that, stuff. the practical yeah. and, and yeah. just the fact that they could even shoot this movie actually is quite impressive. So that's not mm-hmm. to say that there aren't technical feats yeah. in Top Gun Maverick. Um, but I think, you know, those kind of like wore those on their sleeve a little bit more than, right. than this one. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that's, why it was also it, it got some of the technical nominations yeah, a lot of but i was shocked it the fact it didn't get a cinematography, cinematography nomination kind of shocking. Is, it's kind of shocking and like maybe actually veers me towards maybe it won't like if it wasn't getting yeah. that attention in that category mm-hmm. like maybe it won't get and if i'm not picture. mistaken he won the top award from the cinematographers guild uh so to not even get an oscar nomination is kind of wild yeah and i think it for me it comes down to you guys have heard me bang this drum a lot, which is that it is absurd that in the year 2023, the Oscars don't recognize stunts, that we don't yeah. have a stunt category. Yeah. This is somewhere where I feel like Top Gun would have been a shoe in But I think that also goes to sort of a broader across the sort of voting body kind of bias. Like they don't mm-hmm. necessarily consider, you know, stunt heavy films as, yeah. you know, uh, as high art in the way they they consider right. you know really emotional like dramatic acting performances, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that's a real shame. I know there's been a huge groundswell of support for the Oscars to add a stunt category, mm-hmm. and I kind of wonder whether you know the popularity of a movie like Top Gun might help you know kind of push that conversation along. Yeah. Not only you beating that drum though, Devin and and many others, but we, it was so funny. We the subject came up in a planning meeting uh, here at DW and and. And different people remembered different pieces and they were like, oh, I must be confusing them. And then we looked up and no, we've written multiple pieces about this, about the need for a stunt category. Also, uh, Dear Academy, that would be a much better way to get movies that the general public has all seen and loved um, into the ceremony than like Twitter voting or the popular film category or all the things they've had to try to do. You throw on a, a best stunts category, you're pretty much guaranteed at least one superhero nominee. Right. Um, if you want to get popular eyes on it, you're going to get like a really cool, um, you know, kind of cross section of film. I think some of the 
most amazing and like innovative work we've seen recently has been in the stunt category. You've seen a lot of former, um, you know, stunt coordinators turn into uh, directors. Yeah. I mean, like David Leach with, with mm-hmm. um, you know, he did obviously like Atomic Blonde and Bullet Train this year. Mm-hmm. And like, I think you're seeing a huge, huge groundswell of just like, wow, like we need to, we need to recognize this, I think. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I think that, um, you know, I, I hope that the, that is something that comes out of the conversation around Top Gun Maverick. Could have gotten RRR in the mix here. Yes. Honestly. Ugh. Yeah. Next it, year, Mission Impossible. Like, I think it's going to. 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's going to just continue. The thing worth noting here, too, with Tom is that, uh, well, and also his producer, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, who the, you know, the industry guy. loves. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Tom Cruise is receiving the Producers Guild's uh, top award, uh, the David O'Selznick Achievement Award. Um so I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of uh, there's a, a lot of good grace going for him. Um, I'm, I'm really curious to see how that's going to pay off. Uh, and PGA announces its winners uh, the same night. Uh, Cruz will be uh, recognized uh, later this week, actually. So I'm really curious to see what they will do if, if they go for it. I think it's going to change the narrative for the next two and a half, three weeks. Um, because I mean, look at like Green Book one. PGA that year, a lot of folks didn't want it to, but they did anyway. And, um, and it, you know, that, that set the tone for the Oscars as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, that could be a, not a comeback story. Um, but certainly, you know, for a movie that opened in May, it's not that common, uh, you know, to win best picture. And certainly as you pointed out so rightfully a blockbuster. Um, but I think that could also go a long way, um, for luring in audiences as well, because we also have Avatar as a Best Picture contender, another huge movie. Not gonna, I mean, I think it might win visual effects. We'll we'll see. That that might be about it for the for this <laughs> Avatar. But uh, TBD. Um, something else I I want to discuss with you guys, and it's it's been on my mind a lot uh, this entire award season as I write various stories here, and it's something I say at the top of every episode of this podcast. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis called it out on a recent social media post: the use of the word race when referring to the Oscars, and we can extend that to the Grammys and, uh, you know, the Emmys as well. Um, on one hand, it's it's a it's a general phrase just to refer to like the Oscars race. Um, but on the other, I do get that people who are nominated want to remove this narrative that it is a quote unquote competition because art is subjective. How do you compare one performance or to another and say that one is better than the other? So where uh, where do each of you stand on that? And do you have a suggestion for another term or phrase to use? I think it, it, it's all very true. It is all subjective. You know, I hate that this means that people are pitting people against each other yeah. and, and comparing them in ways that we cannot. But also, if you don't want it to be called a race, don't be campaigning. Don't be, yeah, like, don't be part of it. Like, we call it a campaign for a reason, and you're out there mm-hmm. pushing it. And look, I know some of them, it's in their contract, they have to do it. Like, sure. maybe she doesn't even want to be campaigning. Mm-hmm. But everyone is. And so it is, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like, one person's getting a trophy. There's a difference between this and, say, like, a Peabody Award that, like, a whole team, like, no one really is, like, pushing for it in any sort of way. Mm-hmm. Like, a team of people, they decide either a group of projects or one or two projects. I've sat on committees like that where like, yes, you submit, but you submit and it's in a form and, but you don't get a chance to like hold parties and right. like go out and like be on late night shows in hopes mm-hmm. that voters are going to see like, 
Yeah. There are campaigns to this, so it is a raise. Yeah. And I understand the desire for it not to be. Mm-hmm. But there would be there has to be a major infrastructural change for that to not be the case, in my opinion. I don't know, Devin, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think I think that's a fair conversation to be had, especially if you are the actor being judged or you mm-hmm. are the filmmaker or whatever, and, and you want, you know, how do you compare a performance like Kate Blanchett and Tar to Michelle Yeoh and Everything Everywhere yeah. All at Once? They are both phenomenal performances, but wildly different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, it all comes down to to taste. But I and but I also get that, you know, it is a race. It spans multiple months there's yeah. campaigning it's um there's you know there are phases of it <laughs> there are hired yeah. um you know people to you know but consultants mm-hmm. to to figure it all out i mean i think the the notion of any sort of award ceremony like this is where there are multiple nominees um it's it's going to be a race. I mean, I don't as far as like language around it. I mean, I don't know quite what you would call it, like right. the Oscars journey. Like, I don't yeah. quite know. Um, but I, I get the how the long and winding road. That's very much what it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like Sundance just happened and we're already you yeah. know, looking ahead to, mm-hmm. to Oscars 2024. Um, but I, I, I get if I was an actor and I was, you know, being part of this 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 race, I, I could see how I would also push back on that terminology mm-hmm. a little bit. But I also think that's sort of like Patrick said, it's sort of inherent to the whole thing. And I don't I think it would require like a major structural overhaul of yeah. what the Oscars actually are. Yeah. Well, I think what we are taking away from this is we'll continue to call it a race. And I would love for Jamie Lee Curtis, please come on, give us a new term and I will happily use it. Um, and, and I guess we'll leave it at that. So let's get into the race for (laughs) Jamie's category, Best Supporting Actress. Uh, She is nominated for Everything Everywhere All at Once, along with her co-star, Stephanie Hsu. That's where we also find uh, today's guest, Angela Bassett, as well as the Banshees of Inna Sharon's Carrie Condon and the Whale's Hong Chow. Now, uh, Angela has won the Golden Globe and the Critics' Choice. She, like several of these, uh, up for the SAG Award. Um, But do you think this is really coming down to Angela and Jamie, do you think one has an edge over the other? I think for me, this is Angela's category. Mm-hmm. I think there is a huge narrative around. I think we see this a lot sometimes in um, some of the supporting categories uh, where you see this idea that it's time. It is time for Angela Bassett to, you know, it, she's obviously been nominated before. But I think there is this idea that, you know, it's it's. You know, we she's universally beloved. I think she gives a really phenomenal performance um, in a very emotional movie. There's an incredible narrative around this movie, it being not just the sequel to arguably one of the most influential superhero movies of all time, but also, um, you know, the, the the power and emotion that she gives um, in her performance after losing Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's she's really extraordinary in it. But I also I really love this category. I mean, it's like yeah. five really incredible actresses. Um, I think Jamie's a serious contender. Um, I would love to see Stephanie Hsu. That would be yeah. my like dream upset. I, I think she's I will say the, the applause for her at the Oscar nominees luncheon was quite loud. Good. She deserves yeah. it. Yeah. So when in any other know. year she'd she'd be an Oscars darling because you know she's she's this young mm-hmm. yeah. not, not ingenue but like like it's it's just so funny because if you watch Maisel she she plays such a different character yeah. there mm-hmm. uh, and I I think it's interesting because her character's so out there um and in everything everywhere all at once that you don't get a real respect of like how much acting she was doing because like she's completely different in real life 
any other year, she would be the one that everyone would be talking about just because like, she's so fantastic. She's like this, she's like new to the scene relatively. It's all that. But instead, I love that we're talking about these two really established actors um, who both are very deserving of, yeah. of uh, the Academy's attention. Um, and all that said, I also love Hong Chao from The Whale and Carrie Condon from Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Yes. Carrie, oh God, I, I actually could see a surprise mm-hmm. from one of the two of them if, yeah. if Angela and Jamie split kind of the front runner vote, yep. Jamie and Stephanie split the everything everywhere yeah. all at once vote, you could see a world in which Hong Chao or Carrie Condon is up yeah. on that stage in a huge upset. And I would also love that. Like there, yeah. there's no there's no there's no losers in the audience when right. when uh whoever walks up on the stage because it's there. That being said, you know, as much as we were talking about Top Gun. Um, and how at the beginning of uh, the race, it was like, well, that movie was like this blockbuster and it came out, you know, uh, and, and was a big splash. And that's not usually what we pay attention to. It is fantastic. Angela Bassett is the first um, superhero yeah, movie Marvel actor to nominee. be recognized yeah. at yeah. the Academy for a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And in the office, we were we were floating like oh my god do you think she'd get an oscar i mean like the like when we had seen the the gone to premiere it wasn't even out in the world yet and i remember sitting at a table with the two of you and a few yeah. others and there was a few of us that were like she could get an oscar nom and there was others that were like there's no way in the world that that's happening <laughs> yeah. and here we are yeah here we are that, i mean that makes me happy because again i think she gives a really extraordinary performance in that movie and yeah. um again and i I, we, we talked about sort of the long and, and winding road of the of the Oscars race. I love that Everything Everywhere All at Once, that was a March yeah. release. We're mm-hmm. still talking about it a, almost a year later. Um, I think Jamie's extraordinary in it. Um, yeah, I have no complaints about this category. No. I, I would be happy with with pretty much, I think, anyone. Agree. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, uh, Hong Chao has become uh, a, a part of the conversation again because of being in the menu uh and you know as people continue to discover and watch that movie and and see how wildly different she is in both of uh those performances as well um i think they all have bright futures ahead of them (laughs) (laughs) even the even the ones who uh you know are are behind them yes indeed yeah i mean i think i'm giving the edge to angela here and and i hate calling it a career award um, because Jamie is also just as deserving of yeah. a of a career award for for different reasons, but I think I'm going to go with Angela on this one. The support seems to be there, um, and yeah, I mean she's just fantastic. And as we get into later in the podcast with her, um, just a heartbreaking uh, death scene um, in that movie, which. I'll tell you more about in just a little bit. Um, okay, let's get into supporting actor. Brendan Gleeson and Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Inna Sharon, Kiwi Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, and Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, who was so excited to be at that Oscar nominees luncheon <laughs> when they, it's just a rapid fire of calling off names for them to go up and, uh, you know, line up for that class photo. And he jumped up out of his seat and was like fist pumping in the air uh, at Kiwi Kwan, like, basically bounced all the way down to stage. <laughs> he was so excited. Um, so you're saying we should anticipate a Roberto Benini moment, honestly, no matter who wins in this category. Maybe not Judd Hirsch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Judd Hirsch, by the way, who um, 
it seems to be a very, for his age, someone who is very into staying in shape and fitness. Um, I noticed when I watched the Fablemans, I was like, that guy's got some good arms on him. Uh, so good for him. Um, but yeah, um, total tangent there. But uh, yes, Patrick, absolutely. I, if Kiwi Kwan wins, and I'm just going to say, I think he will, uh, it's going to be a moment. So there's my question, though. Can anyone beat Key? I don't think so. I think the momentum is so strong here that even if you were thinking of voting for someone else, it you probably wouldn't just because you're just like, well, why am I going to quote unquote waste, <laughs> waste my, vote? my vote? It's not yeah. a waste. Vote your conscience. Vote yeah. your heart. But um, I, I don't think so. I, that being said, and I love Key, and I think he does a fantastic overall performance. I do think, and I've said this, I believe on this podcast in, in weeks prior, um, that I think Barry Keoghan had the my favorite acting moment on screen mm-hmm. in any movie of last year. He's fantastic in the whole thing as well, but there's a particular moment that I think was my favorite moment. Is it um, the lake? Yes. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, so it was with, with Harry. With Harry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible, incredible moment. Um, and for that, I would love to see him um, do this. I'm also, I love Judd Hirsch, mm-hmm. um, but he probably is in the running for shortest amount of screen time to get a nomination. Yeah, I believe um, uh, Judy Dench like, he would be number, he would be the third shortest time on screen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for supporting actor, for I think, supporting, yes. I think Anthony Hopkins holds for lead, the lead actor, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For yes. Silence of the Lambs, yes, that is correct. Um, but you know, I would, I, I wish that Paul Dano could have gotten recognized as well. That being said, everyone here is is also deserving, so mm-hmm. it's it's not as though uh, as though I would kick any of them out to, to yeah. put them in. I just you know thought Paul did some really quiet but yes. fantastic work there. Yeah. And Devin, to your point about what the Academy honors, it's like most of the time it's louder, bigger performances. And and so I can see why we ended up here. But really, just shout out to mm-hmm. Paul for doing some really understated work in that movie. But it also makes me happy when you talk about like traditional performances. I mean, Key's performance in Everything Everywhere All at Once is bonkers. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's playing like nine different roles. Mm-hmm. Um, he beats people up with a fanny pack. Like <laughs> he does. Inspiring. It's like everything he does is just weird and delightful yeah. and like that is a really bizarre performance and I would love to see it get recognized. Yeah, and he seemed recognized. to really relish the opportunity to not just be hired by someone again, but uh, for this kind of trust to be put in him with such an out there uh, role and so much to do. So let me pose it to you guys this way. Let's say Everything Ever All at Once was not a movie this year and uh, you've got those four and let's throw Paul Dano, Dano into the mix. Uh, who, without key in the category, do you think should win? I like Patrick. I think Barry gives a really incredible mm. performance. Um, I wonder if, you know, you would get maybe a little bit of a split vote between him and Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you've got they, they give very different performances in the same <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, but I, I just I love what Barry does. I think mm-hmm. he's always done really incredible work. And I think um, that would be a really, a really cool thing for, for him to get recognized. Yeah. I, the thing about Barry is he shows up in literally any movie and immediately makes it better yes like whatever yeah. he does like him and you want to talk about superhero movies like him in the eternals he to me he was like my mm-hmm. favorite part of the eternals i was like yeah. i want to watch the spinoff movie about yeah. that weirdo like oh my god yeah. i know i believe he's uh, either in talks or it's a done deal to play billy the kid in a movie which Ugh. i think is just kind of perfect i'll be first casting. in line yeah. to see that 100 percent. yeah i would love to see barry I, although i think if paul had made it into the mix and key wasn't there mm-hmm. just because of the size of the role yeah like him and Brendan, like, are you could argue 
like leading characters, less so Paul than than Brendan. Yeah. So I feel like it would be it would be a whole different conversation. I love this. I love mm. this uh, exercise, Jared. Uh, <laughs> it's tough. I would want it to be Barry, though. Let's go with that. I yeah. think so too. I, I'm I'm with you guys on that one. He's just uh, heartbreaking for so many reasons in that movie. Okay, so all of that said, uh, we are going to take a quick break and come back with our main event: Black Panther: Wakanda Forever star Angela Bassett. Don't go anywhere. The awardist will be right back. Welcome back to The Awardist. All right, folks, you know her from so many things. Uh, uh, from American Horror Story, from Patrick. 911. Uh-huh, indeed, she's great on there. Um, uh, How Stella got her groove back. Uh, she played Tina Turner. She, I, I don't know if there's anything that Angela Bassett can't do, uh, but this year she has captured everyone's attention for her uh, incredible performance as Queen Ramonda in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, so let's get right to the interview, and, and we'll discuss some things afterwards. So without further ado, here's Angela Bassett. First of all, really, thank you so much for doing this. This is uh, a great pleasure. And um, I mean, just, you know, it's funny when I was at the premiere of the movie, um, which first, let me ask you this. Was that the first time you saw the movie? That or had was you the first it? time. Oh, I, I'd seen a little bit of it because mm-hmm. we had to do additional dialogue mm-hmm. recording. But uh, yeah, that was absolutely the first time. So I love seeing it with audiences you know, just having the whole thing sort of hit you at once. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay. So then, I I mean, I I know, you know, you're in, in good hands This is the second time around in this, uh, this franchise playing this character. Um, But, um, you know, it's, it's a direction that I'm sure no one thought the story was ever going to take. Right. Um, So you've, you've lived it on set. You went through all the motions and emotions uh, with what you (laughs) had to deal with there, but then getting back to sit it, you know, sit back and, and watch it with everyone. I mean, do you, do you find yourself thinking about like, Oh, that's the day, you know, we did this and this was going on. Or are you able to, you know, remove yourself from the, the, you know, what was going on on set or just really, I can't help but think about, yeah, that, you know, particular days Mm -hmm. because those days are long and involved. So Mm -hmm. they really make an an imprint, you know, on Mm -hmm. your memory. And then when you see it come together, all these pieces, all these little, you know, pieces that are all out of order, shot out of order. Um, But then as a whole, I I, I am also able to take it in. Mm -hmm. And uh, some things you forget. You're like, oh, did we play it that way? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. And yeah. so it's fresh. It's fresh. Yeah. yeah. Well, seeing it with that audience was really uh, quite a treat, and I, I felt so uh, kind of blessed and and honored to be there. And it was, you know, it was uh, it was a spectacle, but it was uh, such a beautiful tribute um, mm-hmm. as well that that entire evening. Um, we, uh, you know, get our first uh, taste of Queen Ramonda, and this one. Um, I think in that UN speech, right? Is, the, is it the UN? The we, UN. We do, yes, mm-hmm. that UN speech when uh, she comes in, kind of you know, 
ready to rumble a bit. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, there, there are often, you know, as we look back in the history of movies, these these moments where there are these great speeches and these like great takedowns. Um, and you, I think, are now part of, uh, you know, that, that list of those. But when you think about those kinds of moments in particular, when you have to like pull the focus of the entire room, is there a different energy? <laughs> Do you have a different approach to just a, you know, a, a simple intimate scene um well i yeah it's a big room it's a huge room it was the first day of filming for the movie um but i tried to find what's intimate in it you know whether it's the 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 six the six brothers who are walking in Mm -hmm. flanking me or whether i'm looking at you know the consulate of france Mm -hmm. or the other, which was someone that I knew who actually directed me in my first, my first play out of drama school. So, to, you know, to, for us to come back around and for me to, to give him a dressing down, I know what you've been up to. <laughs> that was that was really pretty, you know, yeah. funny, comical to me. So, um, you know, I tried to find those individuals. I'm not looking at the whole room and, you know, I'm trying to really make it more of an intimate moment, you know, mm-hmm. a moment to connect always mm, as yeah. opposed to just speaking to the crowd right speaking right to the masses i thought the editing and just even the story the 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 way it was written that way the, the cutting the, the back, back and forth, forth yeah. it was uh mm-hmm. it, it built so much tension uh it, yeah that was fantastic so much of uh i feel like what is going on in in this story between uh ramonda and shuri is trying to reel her daughter back in a bit to to urge her to fight for the right reasons. Um, and I thought that was, uh, you know, so interesting and important because, you know, we're, we're these, this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We were talking about super, you know, super heroes, people who have incredible powers. Um, but, but that I think is so important, but people with power to use them in the right way. Um, tell me about that, that, you know, the approach that that relationship you know, in this second story versus where you guys had been. She, with Shuri, Queen Ramonda, is is mother. Uh, and she's just, she, and that's her main goal and focus with Shuri. Um, she's, in, in a gentle way, always try, hoping that she will come to a place where she will appreciate the the old ways. Um, so some, in some respects, she's trying to guide her in some, she's gently pushing her, urging her, um, to care for herself, to, to not close off, to not shut down, to not uh, distance, um, herself from her emotions, from the reality of what's going on. Um, I think she recognizes that, um, you know, there's, you know, mind, body, spirit that, um, it's. Her, her her spirit and her mind um, needs some tending to. Can't just stay busy. Stay, stay busy working. Stay busy going. Making yourself busy to forget to sort of distance what has happened, and that's losing. You know the dearest person on this earth to her, mm-hmm. her brother. Mm-hmm. So I think she's Ramonda. Mother is very mindful of that, um, and she returns to her from the ancestral plane, as she's told her son, and she tells her in a very different way, that you show people who you are, mm-hmm. who are you. And you are not that, that vengeful. Well, it's up to her, who who will mm-hmm. I be? Mm-hmm. You know, who will I become? Mm-hmm. But she, she's not 
a, a vengeful, hateful person. Mm -hmm. She's a brilliant young woman mm -hmm. um, who has everything ahead of her. Um, so which path are you going to take? You know. Mm -hmm. So on that topic, is is a killmonger? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Burn it all down. I mean, none of us were Burn expecting it to the ground. You yeah, know, but yeah. We know, yeah. Uh, none of us were expecting, but mm -hmm. oh boy, that was a great scene too. Yeah. But but on that topic, um, I guess I will kind of turn that thought and question back to you as you you know look back on your life and career. Did, did you have that moment you were looking back thinking about like my ancestors? Who am I? What do I want to be? What have they taught me? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, my my aunt who was very very dear to me um, and. The, the uh, my mother, the, my great grandparents that I had the privilege of of knowing and growing up with as a young, you know, till I went away to college, but to have them to know, to wonder at how their lives must have been, how different, not your your mother or your grandmother and father, but your great grandmother and father, in in this country, how different their lives and times must have, but they're here. They were with me standing and just giving and generous and gracious and beautiful. So I felt very blessed, very blessed to have them in my life. So I always think of them, you know, and I always try to live up to their their hopes and dreams mm -hmm. for for their children. Mm -hmm. With that, um, with that that message, uh, that narrative being so beautifully uh, woven into this movie. Um, are you perhaps hearing more, from, you know, from audiences or people, you know, contacting you on social media or just tweets <laughs> or whatever, um, you know, about th those elements of this movie? Like, what, what do you hear most from people about? That it, um, that it's been, uh, of course, that they love the movie. And for some, that it has been a, uh, a source of of healing for them and, and the experiences they're going through, the losses they're going through, losing some of their dear family members, be a brother or an uncle for another, and how they went, they saw this movie, and uh, it it opened up dialogue in terms of you know grief and loss and healing and legacy, or that it it just gave them you know a sense of comfort. Which oh oh, which bless bless my heart. So mm -hmm. yeah, prior to this, I, I mean, I think the most um, emotional moment we perhaps had in a Marvel movie was Tony Stark's death, uh, and and this movie sitting in the theater. I mean, I know uh, certainly folks sitting around me. I believe Cheryl Lee Ralph was near me, and they, um, mm -hmm. I. I uh, and you know, a lot of my colleagues, uh, I caught you know the the fingers moving up toward the eyes several times. To uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was it was so immediately felt, um, and it was just so real. Um, well, so we felt that we felt yeah. that on, you know, we certainly felt that every day yeah. in the making of it in a very very real way, and I, it's beautiful that it. It translated, jumped off the screen because that's exactly where we were every day. Yeah, it was so much love and yeah. Yeah, it certainly did. Um, the well, the, the f we'll we'll talk about both funeral scenes. Uh, the first, uh, of course, being for uh, T'Challa, um, which was just uh, heartbreaking but beautiful all in the same mm -hmm. way. Um, 
what, I guess, what do you remember most about those days? So, uh, several days, I would assume. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks, maybe. A mm. couple days, not yeah. several weeks. Okay, good. Yeah, Wouldn't want to yeah. live with that that long. Right. Yeah. The, the intimate one uh, with just the family. Yes. You know, that was, that was one day. It was one day. It was hot. It was muggy. There were mosquitoes mm. <laughs> everywhere. But it was beautiful in, in, out in the forest, in the woods, with the trees and the, the mossy ground. Um, um, and with the libations being poured, um, it was just very, very intimate. Mm-hmm. Just seeing the, the, the coffin there, yeah. you know, with the, the panther on it, mm-hmm. that was just beautifully, mm-hmm. beautifully designed. Uh, so thorough and thoughtful. And then to the different day with the mm. processional, yes. with everyone, everyone who so loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that day being everyone dressed, looking glorious, mm-hmm. to see the dancers, to see their faces and their energy, and for just this boundless love and excitement mm-hmm. and joy for a life well lived. Yeah, a um, celebration. I, I love that, di- that dichotomy. Mm-hmm. And poor... For- Letitia as Shuri, she was just, <laughs> I don't know, was acting or no, because, mm-hmm. yeah, you could really feel and sense her, her heartbreak. Mm-hmm. So I just remember, it. you know, I would grab her hand or touch her hand, you know, as we proceeded, you know, just as remind, you stand strong, mm-hmm. you represent your brother, you feel all of these emotions, but, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you are your brother's sister. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's what I think is so beautiful about that, because it's, um, you know, like you said, it, it's a celebration of a life well lived. And uh, where I'm from, mm-hmm. funerals and such are very, uh, very sad and solemn. And, and, you know, we don't celebrate life. We yes. mourn a loss. And, mm-hmm. and I wish there was more of that. Uh, that you know, it sort of reminded remind yeah. me in that day of, of uh, New Orleans, you know, the second yeah. line. That's what it, you know, it made me think of... Uh, of what we have here in this yeah. country that is close akin to that, mm-hmm. uh, the second line where you enter into you enter into the sanctuary yeah. morning, of course, but then you exit and you you know you mm-hmm. go to the, you visit those pla- you dance to those places where mm-hmm. that spoke to them, whether to their home or to that neighborhood yeah. bar or a cafe yeah. or to this place, their beloved places in their community, mm-hmm. and you just yeah you just uh. dance for them. I love it. It's beautiful. So then, uh, okay, so you, you filmed the, the more intimate uh, out in the forest in mm-hmm. the in the all white. Um, I, I, this is just a complete guess, but since you're, they're already on location, does that mean they go ahead and film while they're there your funeral? Queen Ramonda's funeral? No. Oh. oh did they? No. No. But you no, you weren't there the, even just to observe? No, I wasn't mm-hmm. there. I don't know when. They must. I think. I don't know. I don't know if they returned mm-hmm. or if they had done it previously. I don't think they had done it previously. They must have. I feel like you would to know. do that. Yeah, they would. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah surely yeah, they yeah. would have told you. But yeah, yeah so that that's why I was wondering. That day was cut short because it was you know the elements were not behaving. Ah. It was a rainy day, and I remember us being in a tent, and it just torrential rains. We the scene that you see, mm-hmm. we got that part, and we had to get it within a matter. It seemed of. A couple hours because then the heavens just open up and it just rained and we just sat huddled trying to see if we could go back in and get Mm. another, you know, another shot or two. Um, Yeah. Mm. I said, oh, well, we didn't get it. We're going to have to come back. But somehow, yeah. 
No, the, the elements weren't cooperating or the universe was there with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. uh, the skies were opening up. The, uh, yeah, the tears were shedding all around, really. <laughs> wow, that's, that's something else. Okay, so let's get into Queen Ramonda's death a bit. Um, I'm trying to remember other times your character has uh, character you've played has died on screen. Mm, London has fallen. Yes. Or Olympus has fallen. Olympus, yes, yeah, right. Olympus has fallen. Mm-hmm. I, there haven't been many, have there? I, I couldn't recall. That's all that I recall. Okay, so let's compare yeah. the two experiences. Um, I mean, is there any? I'm surely. I, I didn't like reading either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I didn't like, you know, turning the page. Enjoy, yeah. I'm enjoying my script. I'm enjoying the mm-hmm. script. I can't wait to get to work and then turn the page mm-hmm. and voila. Did you know, know what was coming in either case? No. No, oh. absolutely not. Absolutely not. You didn't no, know. It was absolute surprise. Absolute surprise. No heads up, no warning. <laughs> Whoa. So you're reading in the case of, of Black Panther that, uh, you know, Namor has just unleashed all of these these water bombs, essentially. Mm-hmm. You're trying to save her and then, like, uh-oh. I'm trying to save her and then, you know, uh, you know I'm getting yeah. CPR and oh, I don't make it. Oh, oh I was distraught. <laughs> As I were we yeah, watching. I like, yeah, I and mean, maybe that was the point. <laughs> Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the filming of that day, was was that... I, <laughs> I don't know how actors play death scenes and don't breathe, how you can hold your breath that long. Was, was that you on the ground? Did you that say, can me. you do a... No, no, mm. that was me. That was me. Okay. Like, Come on, Okoye. Really save me. <laughs> right. Know? Really put your, you know, put your strength into yeah. it, you know. But at that point, eyes closed, not reacting, hearing everyone around you. Mm. Uh, I don't know. What's the word to describe that kind of I think maybe I had, you know, I had, uh, you know, I I had maybe made peace with it. You know, Mm. it was such a wonderful shoot. And, you know, you, that's not the first thing you shoot, you know. Mm. So, you know, you have time. You have time to sort of process it and get into Mm. it. And this is the big day. And so it becomes like any other day you want it to. You know, you want to do good work that day. Mm-hmm. And after you finish, it's not the last day. You still have you know, yeah. more to do. So that mm-hmm. that helps soothe you a little bit. Sure, sure. Wasn't a total wrap on Angel Bassett no. that day. Yeah. Um, well, what do you remember about But I was glad when the death scene was over because mm-hmm. you were just wet and mm-hmm. damp and mm-hmm. moist for mm-hmm. 14 hours for 12 hours. Yeah. You know? And in a, so a that was big dress. I prefer to be completely immersed in the water than, you know, than just wet yeah. and laying on the ground. Right, right. Makes oh, sense. Oh, my gosh. But um, uh, your actual rap, what, um, take us to that oh my last day. I can't remember. I can't remember mm. the last day. We had to travel. We had to travel to Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. So Picture Rap was truly one of the last days. So leaving after having died, I, I knew I was returning mm-hmm. near the end of the final shooting for more scenes, mm-hmm. you know, with my, with the young T'Challa Toussaint, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in Haiti. And, mm-hmm. um, and also scenes with Namor mm-hmm. on the beach when he comes. And, uh, the oh, yeah, that felt like rap. something right out of a James Bond movie, didn't it? Bond mm-hmm. walking out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> right? Those swim trunks on. It was like, Angela, I must have had a good day that day. <laughs> 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 
Uh, yeah, so a, I have more. Yeah. I have more to do. So sure, yeah. I, I, I love that. And, and uh, it was on the beach well. in, in Puerto Rico. Uh, so it was beautiful. Palm trees, uh, waves crashing, sand. It yeah. was the most perfect day. Yeah, well, and, and love the, the showcase that this movie's been uh, for, for Namor himself. Mm-hmm. It's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, um, as our time's wrapping up here, uh, as this, um, you know, the last few months have gone on uh, since the movie's release and then, mm-hmm. um, you know, becoming a part of, uh, rightfully so, part of award season, um, the, the term veteran actress... Gets gets thrown around when associated <laughs> with your name. This is the first time I've heard. Oh it. no, no, I hope not. Yes, no, no. this is the first um, veteran. But, uh, oh. Seasoned, uh, uh, legendary. Those are words Ooh. that uh, you know will, will be thrown around um, with with your name. But I guess my bigger oh, nice point, words. my bigger question is, what does this role, this movie, mean to you at this point in your life and career? <sighs> It, um, it really has been one of the highlights of my career. To work with the artists that I've worked with, work with Ryan, um, the Marvel Universe, big universe, to work with Marvel, to, for it to be led by uh, the, the narrative, led by black female empowerment, um, to see that, for it to be successful, um, globally and to move and touch audiences in a very rich and meaningful way and really touch lives. Um, it just means the world. Mm-hmm. It means mm-hmm. the world. It means absolutely everything. Well, I'm, I'm certainly glad it was part of uh, you that was, you was part of it. So, Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been, been a joy watching you in these movies. Uh, Angela Bassett, she is just such a gosh darn delight. Uh, that was the day of the uh, Oscar nominees luncheon. I spoke with her, found it super interesting. You guys that, uh, how do you not tell Angela Bassett, like give her a little warning? Like, by the way, when you get to page, uh, 98, uh, you may not like it. Oh, you'll love it. But like, how do you not tell a person? Yeah. Like, how do you not like call them in and just be like, it's like, it's like if a doctor, it's like a doctor, like you need to tell someone they're dying. (laughs) Yeah, don't don't wait until like right before they flatline. Yeah. Right, like so we got the biopsy. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think I'm I'm that's fascinating. I know this script went through um multiple revisions, um, obviously after Chadwick Boseman's yeah. death. And uh Ryan Coogler um has talked about, you know, sort of how the script evolved, you know, from that. But I think Angela's death was always part of it since the beginning. I think it was originally going to be Chadwick, um, you know, kind of grappling with the death of his mother. Mm -hmm. And it was always going to be a film about, um, about grief. Um, So I'm curious sort of like when she found out, was it like a first script or was it like a, like a late script or, but but also I'm curious whether it's just part of the, um, the Marvel secrecy, you know, the, the Marvel snipers who come in and tell you to (laughs) get, but at the point, but at the point they're giving you the script, you would think like they would like deliver the script and like, you'd get a phone call being like, Hey, by the way, when you're reading this, like we've decided to go in this direction. I, I, that or there better be some sort of like 
video of this and the whole thing was like to get a reaction and they just haven't shared it yet um mm. well i've heard these stories from actor marvel actors specifically before like at the end of Endgame, when um chris evans gives the shield to anthony mackie yeah um anthony mackie like they got the script and they hadn't read it yet um but chris evans had read it and he like t- he was like so anthony what'd you think and anthony was like i haven't read it yet and he's like you haven't read it yet like go read it right now and then like anthony didn't know he was gonna get the shield until he read it in the script like surprise you're the new captain america um and so i i wonder if that's just now go read your contract exactly yeah i was gonna say yeah (laughs) you read the script now go read your contract um but i i wonder if that's just like a yeah i don't know but that's that's fascinating I, i also just have to say like not even listening to angela but hearing jared tell us about the interview with Angela without even having to hear it. I was already tearing up. Like, just all of all. She of made that. me tear up. Like, yeah. it's it's just she's such a beautiful storyteller, mm-hmm. both on screen and off. And she's just our 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 gift. <laughs> she's like yeah. a, a a superstar. Yeah. I mean, every time I I got to speak to her, you know, to to preview the film before we knew mm-hmm. it was coming out, and and just the way she she talks about it is just so beautiful and so thoughtful, and, and yeah. I'm obsessed with her. It's a really and, emotional film. Yeah. yeah. And well, and I've got I got to um, work with her uh, writing a piece for um, for the right. uh, magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, got at this point a year ago. Um, about all the work that she and her husband Courtney B. Vance do mm-hmm. with their production company to like tell uh, particularly black stories and and other stories from marginalized groups and like really like that passion and th- the passion that she has for this role she attacks that with same passion that she again um, I will say shout out nine one one this is nine one one is a really fun show I love it I cover it for us here at EW I mean it is a ridiculous show <laughs> and ridiculous things happen and she attacks that with the same passion and fervor and commitment that she does this role that she's done with Tina Turner way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like all of it, she attacks in the same way. And that's why I'm so grateful that she's like getting her flowers right now. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. And and she's, you know, as we heard her say there, she's just so incredibly grateful for for this role, this movie, uh, to be part of her life when it is, uh, you know, at, at this time in her life. Um and, and she's just Gosh, I mean, what else is there to say about her? I don't know. I think we will. Uh, I think we will see her up on the stage of the Dolby Theater on March twelfth. I know she. Uh, we, we joke she's got a, a lot more award shows to get through between now and then a, a month, um, which kind of blew her mind when we said that. But um, everyone loves her. Everyone has enjoyed seeing her on the award circuit, and she's giving some some wonderful speeches and and continuing to pay tribute to to Chadwick um, and and take folks on that journey. So uh, that that is our journey. For this week, for this episode, Patrick and Devin, thank you so much for being part of it. Thank you. This was a blast. Anytime. All right, folks. And thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, If you like what you're hearing here on The Awardist, please do follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We're at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. We will see you right back here next week. This episode of the Awardist podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.